My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. Uh, chairs. You know, when you think about chairs, we all have them. Uh, you know, we want comfortable chairs, uh, whether it's in a car, whether it's in a home, whether it's in an office. This last week, I was doing some writing, and I was sitting in a, a wooden chair. It was really uncomfortable. And I thought, well, that's okay. It's good for me, and, which is really a stupid thing to think about. But I was a guy, and I wasn't willing to get up and get a cushion or whatever. I was focused. But it's like we want comfortable chairs, right? We want a chair that kind of carries us through the day because a lot of us work in chairs. We have jobs that require us to sit down, right? And um, when you think about chairs in a bigger perspective, chairs are a symbol. Chairs are even a metaphor for life. Uh, Depending on our job, depending on our possession, we sit in a chair. Uh, Some of us sit in a chair that is known as a chair of importance because of what it represents, its position, maybe of power, of influence. And uh, that's a lot of responsibility. If you sit in a first chair, musically, you could sit in a first chair if you're in an orchestra or symphony. A second chair is a hard one to sit in. If you're under the leader and you have to lead up, a second chair is difficult at times. But it's a good chair to sit in. Last week, I talked about chairs and the representation of chairs in regards to faith. And what I shared on a video, and if you didn't get to see it, it's, it's, uh, it's on a podcast. You could check it out on our, our webpage, was that there are three chairs of faith, and all of us as churchgoers sit in one of these chairs. And the deeper question is, which chair do we sit in? So let me recap. The first chair is a chair that is uh, a chair of commitment. A first chair person has a personal relationship with God. They see God through a heart, the, the heart, they feel God. And it's, it's not about um, a duty. It's really about a delight. They've had a first person encounter with God. And I talked about David as a man after God's own heart, King David. And he had that first person encounter with God. Now, he didn't have a perfect life. There's no question about that. He failed in many areas. But he knew God intimately, he wrote the Psalms, and, and just a great warrior for God. And if you sit in the first chair, you get to know God, and you delight in your relationship with God. It's not always uphill or downhill or a valley or a peak. It's just a journey. It's a relationship. But when you look at it, it's a delightful relationship because you're knowing a person, God himself. And then a first chair person ends up having children, and this was David. He had Solomon, and if you're a second chair person, you sit in this chair. But this is a difficult chair because it's not the same chair as a chair of commitment. It's a chair of compromise because as a second chair person, you may or may not have a relationship with God, but you don't know it or others don't know it. It's hard to tell. You do all the same things a first chair person does. You go to church, you do the things but internally, there's, there's this difficult compromise because you want to be like your parents, say, for example, or other good people, 
but you also want to enjoy some things out in the world and kind of walk that journey. And so you live in this compromise. And for you, you know, you view uh, your relationship with God more as uh, just a, a duty. You know, it's just something you have to do. It's just one of those things. That's just what it is. It's, it's a ritual. You know, you go to church and that's what you do. And you may go to church all your life and you may have a close relationship with God. Maybe, maybe not. It's a tough one. But then you have children and the children or the grandchildren of this chair. Uh, this was a guy named Rehoboam in the Bible, Solomon's son, David's grandson. Uh, he, he lived in the third chair and it was a, t- a total disaster. It was a chair conflict. And the relationship with God was non-existent. In fact, there was just outright conflict with God. It was just a rejection of God. And yet he lived in a certain household until he was able to do his own thing. And I said, last week, we all know why children leave church when they're 18, right? You know why? Because they can, right? They have keys to their car. And when they're out on their own, they don't have to do what mom and dad did. In fact, many of them, and I was a youth pastor, and I know this, many of them look at their parents and go, ah, come on, I lived with them. I know they were hypocrites. And that's the danger if you do not move up to the first chair as a child of a first chair person. Myself, I moved into the first chair when I was 15 years old in a relationship with God, a brand new thing. Not much of a spiritual heritage, but I experienced God personally. So now my three sons, my wife and my three sons, they sit in this chair and we were there in Israel and Dan in the north in this place where this son, Rehoboam, and then his uh, you know, counterpart, Jeroboam, set up idols to Baal, false gods, and they just bowed down to them. And it's ridiculous to think about. How could, in just a few generations, people walk away from faith? Well, it happens one chair at a time. And they look at this, and not with delight or duty, but it's more disgust. And they look, and they just cannot wait to be their own person. And so the question was, which chair do you sit in? Now, today I want to change that a little bit by putting four chairs up here. And I want to talk about different chairs. And I want to talk about chairs of wisdom and chairs of foolishness. And I'm going to share a lot of verses and everything. And and yet, if you did not pick up one of those sermon notes, you can grab it on the way out. All the things I'll be sharing, plus some discipleship questions I'd really encourage you to have. But this first chair, this one right over here, uh, is a chair, which I'm going to offend some of us. I'm sorry, I don't mean to do this. But a chair of the naive. Um, some of you sit in the chair of the naive, this one right here. Now, um, how do you know if you sit in the chair of the naive? Well, you don't. That's the problem. You're naive, okay? And, uh, you know, half of my sermon is just a dictionary definition, by the way. That's all we're talking about here. A naive person. I mean, uh, maybe um, you have overreactive parents. Maybe you have people that uh, try, to, try to box you in. Maybe my message even today, you're just going to kind of roll your eyes and... <laughs> You know, I mean, that's just a little naive, right? Because you you know better or you think you know better. And again, this is going to sound like an insult, but please do not take it as such. It is just the heart of some old guy that's walked a journey, who's been there, who's done that, who's pastored a lot of people through this. If you're in middle school, if you're in high school, and maybe if, if you're in college, you might be sitting in the chair of the naive. And again, it's not an insult. It's just an observation that you just don't know. But you think you know, and therein lies the the kernel, the struggle right there. You're so confident that you know, and your way is the right way. And um, you think, come on, seriously, mom and dad, it's not that big of a deal. It's just one date, right? I mean, it's just just one thing. We're just going to do, we're just going to go do this. It's not a big deal. You're blowing it out of proportion. Don't you trust me? You know, it's, 
mom and dad are sitting there going, but I've walked a journey that you haven't walked. You don't have experience. You lack experience. That's the problem of being naive. You just haven't walked the journey. The best picture of this in the book of Proverbs is beautiful. It's a very graphic picture, and it's found in Proverbs 7. And uh, the verses are on the screen. It's kind of a long story, so let me read it. Uh, Solomon says, while I was at the window of my house, looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young men, and one in particular who lacked common sense. He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman, a prostitute. This is not a negative against women kind of thing. It's not degrading. She's a prostitute, okay? This is her job. This is what she does. She has a purpose here, and the story plays out. Strolling down the path by her house, it was twilight in the evening as deep darkness fell. The woman approached him, seductively dressed in sly of heart. She was the brash, rebellious type, never content to stay at home. She was often in the streets and markets, soliciting at every corner. She threw her arms around him and kissed him. And with a brazen look, she said, I've just made my peace offerings and fulfilled my vows. You're the one I was looking for. (laughs) I came out to find you, and here you are. My bed is spread with beautiful blankets, with colored sheets of Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloe, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink our fill of love until morning. Let's enjoy each other's caresses, for my husband is not home. He's away on a long trip. He has taken a wallet full of money with him and won't return until later this month. So she seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. He followed her at once. Why? Because he's naive. Like an ox going to the slaughter. Wow. It's not that big of a deal, Solomon. No, it is. It's like an ox going to slaughter. Well, what's the journey for the ox? Well, it's not a good one. It's the freezer. People eating you, okay? Being ground up. That's what an ox going to slaughter is all about. Hmm. He was like a stag caught in a trap. Oh, now there's a hunt on, right? Whether you've got a bow and arrow or, you know, you've got a rifle, all of a sudden now you've caught your prey, awaiting the arrow that would pierce its heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life. Solomon says this young man is naive. He, he thinks he knows. He's so deceived that he actually buys all those words, and he walks that journey a path of destruction, the Bible says. And, you know, you talk to him later, he'll tell you the whole story. But at that point, he's like, D- this is like perfect. I've been dreaming about this. I read about this in magazines. I checked this out on the internet. This is how it should be. She really loves me. You know, it's like, no, that's just not how it is, right? Now, again, I, 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 this is going to sound like an insult. Please hear my heart. I love you. But um, you just lack experience, right? You need someone else to see over your shoulder or out a window and say, oh, oh, hang on, hang on. I see something you do not see. Um, for example, um, no, again, this is going to just sound horrible. I'm, I'm sorry. You can write me an email later. Um, but um, a naive person is clueless. They really are. They're clueless. And we all start out that way, so don't be offended by my words. We all start out naive. Um, when you're a high school student and you start smoking, can I, can I just say that is really naive? You know, um, you... You think, well, come on, it's cool. And when, you know, when I was a kid, you know, it was the James Dean, Marlon Brando. You know, it was a cool hand Luke. It was Butch Cassidy, Sundance Kid. It was, you know, all, all these folks. It was, it was just a Steve McQueen thing, you know. And you know how many of those people coughed up blood at the end of their life? You know how many died of cancer? See, you haven't had that experience. 
You haven't sat in front of a doctor when a doctor says, I have some really bad news. You have lung cancer and it's a stage four and you're not going to make it. And somebody in that situation would say, and go on television and put warnings on packs of cigarettes and say, don't do it. It will kill you. <laughs> Come on. It's just one, right? I'm just hanging out with my buds, right? You know, it's, it's kind of the thing we do, right? Well, you're naive. Um, <laughs> I was riding with a couple friends yesterday on uh, to Vernonia motorcycles and we were talking. And, and uh, one of the guys, Corey, had the same experience I had. College student going through the mall. I was in Lancaster Mall, Salem. And they stand there and they go, would you like a credit card? I'm like, do you know me? Do you know that I don't deserve a credit card? They don't know me. They don't care, right? They're like, you want a credit card? I'm like, nah, I don't need a credit card. And they go, but if you get a credit card, you get a chocolate bar. No lie. And it was a big chocolate bar. And it was Lancaster Mall, one of the anchor stores. You know, I trusted them. And so I signed up for a credit card and I got a big chocolate bar. Corey got a pizza. All right. I think I'd rather have his, to be honest. Um, thankfully, I didn't use the card. I just cut it up, you know. I didn't even know who Dave Ramsey was at the time. He was probably bankrupt by then, but at that point. But the fact is, is that so many young people get into debt thinking, it's no big deal. What's the problem? I can pay it off. It's only 36 easy payments. You, there's never an easy payment. No payment is ever easy, right? They're all hard, except the last one. It's really good when you're done, right? And, and, and so you've never had $40,000 of credit card debt. You've never had to run from your creditors. You've never had to file for bankruptcy. You just don't know. You need somebody else to say, just don't sign up for that credit card, please. Do not go rent that furniture. Do not go into debt because it will take your very soul. In fact, the Bible says that those who go into debt, they are slave to the lender. All right? But that's an experienced person talking. If you're a naive person, not so sure, right? Here's a couple things just for you. Beautiful words of the Bible that if you are in this situation, just trust God. Look what he says. He says in Proverbs 3, 5, 6, and 7, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. That means whatever you're thinking might not be the best thing. Just choose God instead, right? Seek his will in all you do, not your will, his will, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed by your own wisdom. Naive people are often impressed. Again, you're 14, you're thinking, I can run this household. I, I know so much more than my parents. And I don't know what it is that happens at 13 or 14 years old and your parents become idiots, you know, and then they lose all consciousness and knowledge of life. And then maybe around 22, they get smart again, right? It's amazing how much your parents grow in that time period. But this is what the Bible says. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord. Deeply honor the Lord. Put God first and turn away from evil. That means when your friends think you're crazy, you take a stand and you do what God says because God has been there and done that. Now, if you choose to sit in this chair, the chair of the naive, long enough and you don't get out of it, you move to this other chair. This is a chair that we'll call the chair of, of a fool. It's a strong word. The uh, Bible uses the word a lot. Jesus says don't use it brashly, uh, you know, ignorantly, but it's a pretty strong word. Jesus used it at times. The chair of the fool says, I know the difference between right and wrong. I, I'm not naive. I know. I'm just going to do it anyway because I've chosen this is the best path for me. Um, you know, I just have better things to do with my life. I do not want to do the things that you want to do, mom and dad. I just want to do my own life. You know, um, I've told guys before, you know, if you continue to treat your wife like that, one day she'll leave you when the kids are gone. And they go, it's not going to be like that. You know, 
It's going to be okay. We'll, we'll, we'll repair it down the road. It doesn't work like that, friends. Rarely does it work like that. Um, you know what? If you work seven days a week, Elon Musk hours, 120 hours a week, whatever it is, it's crazy insanity. And don't be surprised if you lose everything. You'll have money, but you won't have life. If you neglect your family, if you neglect your friends, don't be surprised if you grow old alone, even if you have cash. See, the reality of a fool is this, is that people think you're just kind of overreacting because this is the path you've chosen. Uh, there's a really cool Bible verses about fools. I like this stuff. This is from Proverbs 10. Doing wrong is fun for a fool, but living wisely brings pleasure to the sensible. How about this one from Proverbs 15 too? The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. I like that. That's, that's cool. That's, that's great. That smells a little bad, actually. Uh, how about this one, Proverbs fifteen seven? The lips of the wise give good advice. The heart of a fool has none to give. There's just this deep-seated foolishness in this person because they've rejected truth. Uh, this one's good. Uh, parents, you might want to think about this, Proverbs seventeen sixteen. It is senseless to pay tuition to educate a fool since he has no heart for learning. <clears throat> you can save a whole lot of money if you just apply this verse for a couple years until they one day wake up, right? But my favorite, this is so good. Proverbs twenty six eleven. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. Isn't that great? You can just see that one, right? You can see that dog who's eating whatever garbage. He's just puking it up. Can you see it? Just visualize. Close your eyes. He's just puking up whatever it is. And he runs away. And he comes back. He goes, oh, that looks appealing. And he licks it up. You can see that. Now, I'm sure Solomon could have said, like a cat coughs up a fur ball. But no, no, no. This dog returns the vomit. That's a, that's a really good picture, my friends. Because a fool isn't going to learn. A fool is going to keep repeating his or her, her foolishness. Um, I, I've said this for years as a pastor. And, and I, I, from all my heart, I want you to hear this as a, a moment of love. But um, sometimes people in our lives are foolish. And we need to leave the relationship. And um, that means that if someone's hurting you, you need to get out. That's what it means. And we will help our elders, the pastors, myself, my wife and I have helped people get out to a place of safety. That's why I love the Family Justice Center because <sighs> they're foolish people in the world. And they will keep repeating their foolishness and thinking it's sport. And, you know, that just messes everybody else up. A fool is careless. Proverbs says over and over and over again, the only answer to a fool is to face the full consequences of their decisions. But unfortunately, when the fool faces the full consequences of their decisions and their actions, other people have already suffered tremendously. Proverbs 13.20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. That's a good verse, especially when you're naive. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Because when a fool is belching out their foolishness, the family feels it, the co-workers feel it, employees feel it, nation feels it, everybody feels it. It hurts everybody around you. And then there's this other chair. This is like taking it to the next extreme, and this is the chair of the mocker. 
sometimes called a scoffer, but a mocker. Someone who just basically just ridicules everybody else. Um, now, they're not that far removed from the fool because they are at heart a fool. Uh, but they've moved it to a deeper, deeper level, level. The mocker knows the difference between right and wrong. But the mocker has chosen to become critical of anybody who's chosen to do the right thing or a different thing. When you try to correct a fool, a fool will ignore you. If you try to correct a naive, they'll just kind of roll their eyes and go, ah. Have you ever seen that? Parents go, ah. Isn't that great? Isn't that cool? I mean, you just try that in front of a mirror. Because ah. I know your teenage daughter tries it in front of a mirror to perfect it, right? It's like, it's awesome. It's like when you're standing there and you get this, ah, you know? But maybe a naive person will learn. A fool, probably not. You know what a mocker will do? A mocker will turn around and attack you. They will bite your head off if you try to correct them because they have no wisdom left in their heart. They'll criticize you. They'll condemn you. Your convictions, your standards, your beliefs, your God, they will verbally assault you. You know, just don't go toe-to-toe with a mocker. Yesterday on Facebook, somebody said something about Sunrise, and, you know, I I came to our defense and a few things, and it it was just like I'm sitting there and I'm just – my blood's starting to boil. Anybody ever been there? It's like a ridiculous thing. I've never met this person. I don't know this person. They live in another state. They've never encountered me. They've never been to the church, but they're attacking us, and I am really getting mad. And I'm, and I'm like, at some point, at some point, I'm like, whoa, 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 back away. Shut the computer off. He's not going to learn. He doesn't want to learn. He just wants to take, take pot shots, right? Just that is the problem with the internet, right? That's where, that's where mockers hang out on Facebook, you know, and on forums and on comment sections, right? Just don't read that stuff, man. It will make your blood boil. Here's a couple verses. This is from Proverbs 9, 7. Anyone who rebukes a mocker will get an insult in return. See, they love to stand as the ultimate voice of wisdom. They stand on the sidelines with their brilliant critique. They tell everybody how foolish they are, those who don't go along with their way. Anyone who rebukes a mocker will get an insult in return. Anyone who corrects the wicked will get hurt. Proverbs 13.1, a wise child accepts a parent's discipline. A mocker refuses to listen to correction. One of the many dangers of hanging out with a mocker is this. Yeah, for a while you'll be in their good graces until you're not. And then you'll be thrown out too. And you will become the ridicule, the object of scorn. You'll become the next person that's mocked. If you work for someone like this, you live in misery. If you're married to someone like this, you live in double misery. <laughs> you know, you really do. There's an answer. Proverbs 22 says, throw out the mocker and fighting goes too. They're not going to change their ways. Quarrels and insults will disappear. Proverbs says there is no cure for a mocker. There's no cure because they've already decided in their heart that they don't want to know and they don't want to learn because they're the source of all wisdom and knowledge. They've lived so far down the foolishness path that they cannot return. They just can't. Now, something to consider. When you sit in these chairs for too long, you start to slide. It's not guaranteed, that's for sure. But a lot of naive people become foolish people. And everybody that's as critical as a mocker is definitely a fool, right? And so you have to ask the question, you know, are you in any one of these chairs? And if so, which chair do you sit in? Um, there, there's a, there's, this, this is really good. I like this. This is from Proverbs 1, 20. Again, this is words of Solomon. It's kind of long. Listen to this. Wisdom. Wisdom. A different chair. The final chair. Wisdom. 
shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street, to those gathered in front of the city gate. The city gate was basically the, the mall, the place where everybody hung out. You know, it's a place, the court, uh, where, where justice was done, where deals were done. It was the place to go uh, just to hang out. To those gathered, you know, in front of the city gate, how long, you simpletons or naive people, will you insist on being simple or naive? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. And this, this doesn't go well. Follow along. I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. So I will laugh at you when you are in trouble. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone and anguish and distress overwhelm you, when they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me. For they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. For simpletons, naive people turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. But all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. If you see the Sistine Chapel, you go to the Vatican and you lean back. You're not allowed to lean back too far. They have people that will yell at you if you lean back too far because they don't want people laying on the ground looking at this masterpiece. But I've seen it. I've actually had some video of this, some pictures. It's pretty phenomenal. Michelangelo's masterpiece. And you see God right there up in the center reaching out his hand to mankind. But if you notice carefully, God has his arms around a woman. It's really cool. It's beautiful. Because Proverbs says that when God was making everything, when he was creating everything, wisdom was right by his side. See, God has ordained wisdom as a path for you and for me, a place we could go to. And Michelangelo so beautifully painted God's arm around Lady Wisdom. And yet Lady Wisdom stands at the street. She stands at the corner. She hangs out an email. She texts you. She tweets to you. She goes to the mall. She sits at your school. She goes to your place of employment. She hangs out at the gym and she says, why don't you follow me? Why don't you, why don't you learn from me? Because I was there at creation. I was there when God was making everything. I've been around a long time. I know. And yet if you don't and you walk and run and flee from her, you live long enough. This is some really harsh words from the Bible. You will be mocked by her because you will face the full consequences of everything crashing down on you one day. Now you got to understand this isn't God speaking. God's not saying I will reject you and I'll laugh and mock you. That's not God. God always gives second chances, right? He's a God of repentance of brokenness, but my friends, he will not keep you from the consequences of your decisions. And many of us know that we have uh, second chance lives, right? We've had to, Pay the price, right? You know? You get in debt $100,000 on credit card. You come and you pray a prayer, receive Christ. You got a brand new life. Guess what? Creditors still know your name. Got to learn the hard way. That's the best way, right? You blow up your marriage. You abuse your spouse. You lose your kids. You come into a relationship with God. That's awesome. God will begin changing you. But 
there's no guarantee any of it will be repaired if you belch your foolishness long enough. You live a life of naivete or foolishness or mocking, you might end up at the end of your life in a relationship with God, but no one else. There's always a chance with God, but there's not always a chance with wisdom, my friends, because you can fall off the cliff and blow up everything. And so Lady Wisdom calls out to you. She urges you to come. Three types of foolish people, the naive, the fool, the mocker. Do you sit in these chairs? I think you know. I really do. Because if you sit in the chair of the naive, you've already rolled your eyes at me a number of times. You've already thought, what did I show up to church this week? And this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. He doesn't know me. How dare he say this thing? I've got better plans than that. If you sit in the chair of the fool, you're like, what an idiot. Dude, he came back from sabbatical with this message. Couldn't he have done better? I could write a better message than that. You sit in the chair of the mocker. You know, thumbs are already worn out sending me an email about what a moron I am and how you're going to leave the church and you can't wait to get away from this stupid preacher, right? I already know it. I already know it. I'm just telling you what God says. And I'm telling you in love that you could move up to this chair. This is the chair of the wise, the chair of wisdom, and your character will be changed. I read this not long after I came to Christ and started reading through this book of Proverbs, just changed my life. I read these words, I'm going to read them to you. Beautiful words. Solomon starts his book, chapter two, with this. My child, my child, listen. It's like, pay attention, listen, shh, listen, listen. Don't talk, no, shh, listen. Don't fidget, just listen. Listen to what I say. And treasure, treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom. Dial it in and concentrate on understanding. Cry out, cry aloud for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them. Go on a search as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then, this is a clause. You do this, then. If you don't do that, you won't get then. You're different. You'll have a different then. But if you do all this stuff, then... You'll understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain the knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. He loves granting wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity, with character, who walk and sit in the place of wisdom. He guards the paths of the just and protects you. That's what I love about God's plan and his purpose. I shared this before that God gives these precepts, these commands to us because there are principles in the Bible all throughout about what he wants us to do and to be like, why? Because that's who he is, as the person of God. He is a true and honest, loving, pure God. He calls us to those things and gives us the precepts, the commands and the principles because it's the person of God and he wants us to be like him. He invites us to be like him. And guess what? Then he protects us from all the ill that could happen to us if we're naive or foolish or mocking. And then more than protects us, he provides for us a beautiful path to walk on. That's what Solomon is saying. He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Then, then, the final then, then, you will understand what is right, just, and fair. And you'll find the right way to go. We have on our walls, I love these verses. We've had these for years. It says, this is what God commands. If you want to know what God commands, if you want to just know, anybody curious, what does God want from me? Micah 6, 8, do justice. Pursue a life of justice. That means look out for the poor and needy. Look out for those 
who no one is looking out for. Speak up for those who have no voice. That's justice. That's righteousness. To do that, to love mercy, and the way you do that is a merciful, humble way, and you walk humbly before God. That's what God requires of us because that's what you're going to know what is just. You're going to know what is right, what is fair, and you will find the right way to go and you will lead others down the path for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you and understanding will keep you safe. And so I want to just close with the same question I closed with last week. Which chair do you sit in? Which chair do you sit in? Do you sit in the chair of the naive? Do you sit in the chair of the fool? Do you sit in the chair of the mocker? Or do you sit in the chair of the wise? Because God invites you to this chair. But it requires that you get up. It requires that you see the need for change in your life. And, and I would dare say that those around you want that. <laughs> they want that more than you know and you realize And they have just been begging you to move into the seat of wisdom. Because they might be just worn out by your foolishness. And yet they still love you, amazingly enough, right? (laughs) The people around us, in spite of our foolishness, still love us. Even though we're naive, they still care for us and they still try to instruct us. And they get worn out, but they still love us. If you're a mocker, man, they're really tired of you. And they've been praying for you for years. And they're so glad you're here at church because this could be your day, right? (laughs) Why don't you move up to the chair of wisdom? Why don't you tune your ears to God's wisdom? You don't have to. You don't. You could hear this message and leave the same person. That's fine. I have no power over anybody except me, right? My own decisions. I can't dictate anything. I sit in a seat of power as a pastor. I have influence. That's fine. Great. But I can't make anybody do anything. Years and years ago, I talked to a guy. He was really mean, really harsh, really angry, an abusive guy with his voice. Never hit his wife, but he was really, really abusive with his language. And after the kids were gone, she left. And she came and told me, James, I'm going to move out. I said, I don't know why you didn't move out a whole long time ago. How you endure this, I have no idea. Because he mocks God and he mocks your faith in God. She goes, but I'm married in this. And I said, yeah, listen, I will never tell you to endure that kind of wrath. We will come around you. And we, will, we will support you. We'll care for you. So she left. She moved out. He came to me. He was mad. He was angry. Now, that's before I had a concealed weapons permit. Thanks, Sheriff. Um, <clears throat> but I was in my office alone and he came just raging got to tell my wife to come back. After a long time, I go, do you think I have any power over anybody? I have no power. In fact, here's the thing. You have no power over her anymore. My friends, if you're a mocker, one day you will have no power over people and they will leave you. Why don't you turn now? Why don't you choose to sit in the seat of wisdom? God will do amazing things. He might even restore what's been lost. Definitely do it in your heart and with integrity as you walk that path, he could do it in all of your relationships over time. I really, I've seen it. I've seen it. Which chair do you sit in? Which do you want to sit in? Pray with me. Father, I just want to thank you because we are all here. You know, we may not know, but you know. 
We may be confused. We may be naive. We may be foolish. We may be critical and mocking. Or we may be on the journey of wisdom. You love us and you call us to this seat and this chair. But we can only come here because of your grace and your invitation. You have called out to us through wisdom's voice. You've shouted on the streets. You have urged us to come. And God, I pray that people would hear your voice today and say, I want to sit in the seat of wisdom because it is available to anybody today who wants to just learn and open up their heart, who pursues it as silver or gold, finest treasure, the most important thing in the world, because it will change everything in every relationship. God, move in our hearts to know where we are today and to take a step in that direction because you give us the power through Jesus, our Savior. We pray in his name. Amen.